Okay, that's way better. Awesome. Oh, I'm gonna close the door because Caroline is flouting. Flouting. Oh, she's flouting. She flouted out touting. <laughs> so let's see if we can block some of the sound. This is the doors closed. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, doors are closed. This is the sound blocking us we're getting. Okay. We still gotta set up a... Um, gotta find you some sound dampening material or something. Sound dampening material. I don't... They they have they have this magic? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can, can we just cast this enchantment on my wall directly? Or does it have to be like a specially prepared material? Uh, well, it's a... Uh... Uh, it's a crafting thing, so like you need like uh, you need twenty blocks of wood. You need uh, like twenty blocks of wool. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's addiction. Diamonds, I, I guess. Oh my goodness! Uh, and this neighborhood I, is like so uptight about chopping down trees and digging for diamonds. Like, what the heck? Anyways. Well, you should have seen this coming when you bought the house, June. You have to plan your life around me. You know this. Ah, uh, you're right. You're right. Okay. <laughs> So I'm only to, I'm I'm to blame for the fact that my neighbors are uptight about me chopping down their trees. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Seems sure, fine. that is that is in fact uh, the uh, line of logic I've decided to do, and there's no backing down now. So yes, damn are... those SJWs and their tree hugging ways. <sighs> yeah. Hey, um, is it? Yep. What? Okay. People. That complain about people. Right. That complain about people. So, okay. I, right. I had this I had this experience recently actually. Yeah. Some so I was talking to somebody who was pointing out words that are used specifically by people who say that they're woke. Right. And woke is just another term for the SJW social justice warrior thing it's just like it's in my in my estimation SJW is a title that is like assigned to you yes. whereas woke is something where you where you say hey I'm trying to be better I'm trying to make the active decision to be better yes and so that's that's where woke came from is my understanding of the word yeah okay and, and SJW so, is basically used as a pejorative by clueless assholes. And yeah. some some people say it as a mark of pride, I guess myself included to some extent. Although, I mean, like, I, I only use it to piss off people who use it as an insult. But anyway, Well, it's the same thing as the whole snowflake thing. It's right? just like, like, like people calling uh, the, the liberal kids snowflakes when really it's like the kids, they just want to, you know... They want their trans friends to not be targeted against in because of bathrooms and stuff. A lot of it <laughs> so. is like rubber and glue arguments. And what I mean yeah. is it's people who their entire position, their entire argument is literally nothing more than parroting criti criticism that they themselves have received. Yeah. So, you know, again, like um, calling people like overly sensitive you can tell that the people who accuse others of being overly sensitive are themselves accused of being sensitive because clearly they're getting worked up about being criticized. <laughs> like, um, you, you see this a lot in politics. And I mean, I don't want to <laughs> talk politics, 
we're having like a meta conversation about the yeah. fact that there may be a certain politician in the states who <laughs> any criticism that they receive they just they just basically parrot it right back without any sense of irony or awareness of the fact that like it is on its surface completely nonsensical yeah so this this thing that i had come up right where it was just like it's I, i'm i'm drawing up um some stickers for the next convention that we're doing and yeah. i had this uh this design it was going to be like it's like in a little like a fluffy cloud with like stars and hearts and like diamonds in it and stuff yeah and in just like this cursive script i wrote yikes you know because it's funny you know like having a nice pink frilly i'm gonna print it on like this hollow sticker stuff. yeah um and it just says yikes in this like bold cursive that i've done and it was pointed out that it's like uh it's an annoying thing that quote woke people on twitter use and i'm like is yikes a term that was like reserved for you know my group of sjw friends is it something that like i'm just so in this one singular echo chamber that i only ever hear it from people being like using it as a term to like throw shade to be like get a load of this fucking guy right it, or like is it solely reserved for the woke or is it like just everywhere because i never really noticed that it that people outside of like my zone use does that make sense yeah i mean i am farther out of the loop than you are when it comes yeah. to a lot of this i mean i pay attention to the news somewhat um, I don't spend a lot of time in chat rooms. I do spend a lot of time on YouTube, but I try to keep to stuff that like talks about, you know, video games and fun things, yeah. um, you know, uh, and I, yeah, like I try to be aware of politics, but I try to stay away from memes. So I don't yeah. know if Yikes has become like a liberal meme or what. I mean, the internet is, is an ever-changing beast you know stuff yeah. that is commonplace today is non-existent tomorrow sayings and expressions that are completely benign and innocent become twisted and corrupted beyond all recognition etc <laughs> etc yeah. et um so i mean it's it's certainly possible i have definitely seen the word yikes used to point out you know truly cringy um regressive bullshit but yeah is it used exclusively by woke circles or whatever you want to call it? I mean, yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, that's, and that's what I mean. It's like having this complaint levied, because it's like, it's not like the person I was talking to wasn't like overly regressive or anything like that. Yeah. It's just they're, they're like, they've got their opinion on like, and it it is actually what you said. It's like, their opinion is that like yeah be progressive and liberal and do all that stuff but it's like latching on to these one things they just are like that is i mean they they didn't say this i'm kind of like 
I'm a, uh, assigning this definition to it, but they're but they the way that they seem to look at things is like, well, that's just kind of cringy. That's cringe culture, you know, which is also something that I don't super love. I don't adhere to because it's like, yeah, it's cringy to me, I guess. Whatever, or it's, this thing is cringy to you, sure, but it's like. Things that I find super, like, I can't watch uh, The Office because the comedy, the cringe comedy that was, like, yeah. super popular back in the day, like, that that sort of comedy I would define as cringe, right? Yeah. It's like, I, yeah. and I want to remove, like, I, I was watching The Office when it was, like, a really big deal because I'm like, I don't understand it. I'm going to watch it. I'll figure it out. Um but it was so bad at like certain parts that I felt like I had to leave the room. Hmm. Like I was watching it in my bedroom and I felt like I had to leave. So it's like, there is a huge difference. There is a, a huge difference between like where I would put that level and, and where like these other people put that level. And I mean, I don't really assign cringe to people who are like, wanting the minimum wage to go up and for pharmacare and stuff to be it. So it's like, I wouldn't assign that to the SJW or the woke culture or whatever the fuck it is that they were complaining about. But at the same time, it's like, I can't really say because it's like, maybe I'm too ingrained in this, like this area of the internet myself. Cause like I said, it's probably just like the whole echo chamber thing. Cause yeah. I'll get too angry if I if I don't echo chamber, you know. I think that part of the part of the problem is learning how to cut through all of like the tropes and the memes and the dog whistles and whatever else you want to call it. Like all of the stuff that doesn't directly address the issues but is associated with the periphery of the issues, right? So, you know, so-called SJW culture, um however you want to define that, as opposed to things like minimum wage, things like equality, things like, you know, all of the actual social justice that we're trying to accomplish um, yeah. and kind of move past the bullshit that goes along with it. Like in the same way, okay, I'm going to talk politics and I'm sorry, but in the same way that I don't personally like to criticize so-called Trump culture, you know, I don't, I don't, like to sit here and talk about, you know, people wearing the stupid MAGA hats and talking about, I don't even know Trump culture, but like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and criticize them for getting into the aesthetics of their passion, whatever it is. You know, when I'm going to criticize Trump, uh, I'm going to criticize the specific issues, the the actual things that are deeply problematic. It's not, it's not the the flair. It's not the um, well. It's not the propaganda. I mean, yeah, the propaganda is a problem, but you know the the things that I'm going to focus on are the fact that he says things that are provably untrue and continues saying them after it's been clearly established that these things are provably untrue. Um, and he, um, very blatantly acts in a way that is overtly self-interested without 
acknowledging any degree of accountability ownership for the problems that he causes, right? So, you know, I'm not, I don't think it's right to criticize whatever culture is associated with that. It's those specific things that I think is what should be criticized. Likewise, right, when I'm talking like, only, yeah, sorry. You only ever call out like the actual substitute, some, the yeah, this... substantive things, right? Yeah. I mean, it's fun and very enjoyable to like tell say he's a cheetah with the bad wig and tiny hands well that's yeah that's just fun. me goofing around like that i'm yeah. not actually making a point there i'm just i'm just being glib yeah. um and and again it's i i do it because when when i do do that it's because i want to kind of stay away from the meat of the issue a little bit because yeah i need that buffer um but yeah like when looking at so-called like woke culture you know and and you have a problem with wokeness and SJWs and whatever, like, what is your actual problem? Is your problem with the things that, you know, so-called woke culture is trying to accomplish? Or is your problem with the culture itself? Yeah. And there's, and there's that, that's where the whole cringe thing that I, I was getting into comes in. It's yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, like, you can agree with the movement, like, wholeheartedly, but kind of hate everything that surrounds it which is fine um it's it kind of like where the whole bernie sanders campaign thing is going it's like yeah. it, it's it's pretty obvious that he's doing really well right now and yes. it's hopefully gonna come out you know where it needs to be and mm -hmm. you know great um some of the supporters are you know the online douchebaggy thing and it's like it's it becomes hard to separate that and that's kind of where you're like eh, it's cringy my and my question that. is like yeah. you you pick a thing like literally anything that has achieved you know critical cultural mass that is to say that has a following you know in the hundreds of thousands or in the millions you you find me a thing where you know a hundred thousand people plus know about the thing that doesn't have some of that toxicity, right? Like, yeah, you, you, you find me that thing, and I, I'm gonna call bullshit. There, there is toxicity within that. Um, I think a key example of this is actually what happened to ContraPoints recently. Are you at all familiar with ContraPoints? Uh, like exclusively from you, I think I've watched like two videos, but it's not like on my. It's it's not on the top of my watch list. Yeah, fair enough. She is a fairly popular YouTuber. Uh, I think she's she's north of 500,000 subscribers. Um, although I don't off the top of my head know exactly how many. But, you know, like she's not like one of the million plusers, but she's definitely noteworthy. Um, I really love her stuff. I think she's great. Um, you know, like all human beings, uh, there are high and low points. Um, she definitely has issues of substance abuse and uh, she, you know, has some strong opinions sometimes about things. Uh, mm. When she does her videos, they're very well thought out and very meticulous and very detailed. When she used to tweet, she stopped tweeting, but when she used to tweet, some of them were off the cuff and yeah, not saying things that she didn't necessarily mean to say kind of stuff, right? So, yeah. you know, a human being, right? Like a person, the kind of person that says dumb shit like I say dumb shit like everyone says dumb shit. Um, and, you know, she very frequently finds herself 
the target of this insane dogpile from so-called woke culture, from people who identify as progressive, you know, queer, uh, accepting, affirming communities that, you know, one, one key example was that um, she made some comments that the, you know, were seen to be against the non-binary community. And it wasn't mm. that she was speaking against the non-binary community. It was just like, it wasn't, it just wasn't well thought out. Um, and yeah, the, the, the scene against her was pretty ridiculous. You know, mm. so seeing, seeing the way that she was treated by, you know, presumably, um, I keep using the word woke culture and it's a stupid term that I'm trying to think of something. No, it's, it, but it's definitely like, yeah, I, I I feel like the distinction is the difference between those people who like have woke uh, assigned to them and the people who self describe yeah. themselves as being woke. Um, it's the same way that it's like you can be a dude who is a feminist, but the minute you start saying male feminist, all fucking you know bet is off that you're not going to say something super rough. Yeah. Um... Yeah. I mean, to me, the real divide is between how you view people in general. And, yeah. and this, this, is a, this is a hard line to draw, and I'm probably going to fuck up explaining where I'm coming from, but let's try. So <laughs> what I mean is that, like, you look, you look at politics in general, right? You look at human history through a political lens, and, you know, a lot of actual policy gets ignored in favor of the underlying question of a lot of major policies of who is it okay to pick on, right? And yeah. a lot of politicians have made their career on that very question. And they face they basically find a target, a group to target, right? So, you know, you've got foreigners as an easy target for a lot of politicians throughout history. Like, I'm not even talking modern politics. I'm just talking, like, throughout all of history, Picking on foreigners is easy politics. Um, yeah. Likewise, picking on religious minorities. Likewise, picking on immigrants. Likewise, picking on women, um, etc. Like the list goes on. But the the point is that you know this question of who is it okay to pick on. There are people who are in the camp of it's really not okay to pick on anyone. Yeah. And then there are people well sometimes right and and honestly like. I find as soon as you say it's okay to pick on someone, you are in the list of running for people who are a potential target. Like there is, there's no way to say it is okay to pick on some people without your rationalization coming back to you. Does that make sense? It does. It's, it reminds me of the, um, the comedy thing that is always, always fucking wrong. Yeah. And for any of you, like would-be stand-up comedians out there, let me give you some free advice. Um, there is a adage that says, uh, if you are one or have one, you can make fun of it, right? So it's like me, I am a white dude. I, that's pretty much what I am. So I couldn't make fun of like a Chinese person, like the whole making, like the exaggerated accent thing that was so popular in the 90s that doesn't play anymore. You don't do that. It's not, that's not comedy. So the idea is that if you are, 
whatever group or you have something like whatever product or you know whatever like you have a wife so you can make fun of your wife yeah like that sort of thing that's not actually true or good and it doesn't yeah. make for good comedy um the adage should actually be if you are one or have one you can make fun of yourself yeah right so i'm white i've written some stand-up before and let me tell you a lot of it is making fun of me and like gentrification i have a lot of gentrification jokes that is like i can do that that is fine right i'm in a committed relationship i can make jokes about how i'm fucking stupid and bad at relationships and how my ever endearing partner will walk me through being a normal person that is fine yeah but i can't i can't make jokes being like uh the the john mulaney thing my wife is a bitch and i hate her i like no you don't do that that's not funny right and it's it's easy to make fun of yourself because you know those jokes will work well okay to dive a little bit deeper on that point yeah. um first and foremost comedy as i see it is the art of insight that is to say if you're going to say something and have it be funny and have it resonate with people you have to be observing something of substance and presenting it in a way that is both humorous and re revelatory. Um, yeah. Now, the whole self-depreciation, um, oh, what was the comedian's name? She did a, a, um, a Netflix special. Oh, I forget it. But basically, she was talking about how she, she is a lesbian. She made her career on making fun of herself, but ultimately came to the realization that she was doing a lot of harm to herself and to the community that she sought to promote by not being honest about how awful things really were. Um, yeah. And it sort of came to a head in one of her bits where she talked about um, she was hitting on this girl in a, in a bar um, and the girl's boyfriend got really mad until he saw that she was a woman and then got confused and then she, she kind of got out of there. That was the joke. In reality, the guy beat the shit out of her. Yeah. But she didn't tell that oh, part that, of the joke. Yeah. It wasn't that um, the Nanette? Nanette, yes, that's what I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, special? yeah. So, I mean, self depreciation definitely has its place in comedy. Um, and and that, that can be fine, especially, you know, if. It's stuff that does deserve to be taken down a peg, like gentrification, for example, is an actual problem um, that isn't necessarily taken seriously. And so by telling jokes about it, you can kind of bring attention to it. Yeah, um, and that's that's a huge element of comedy as like a, a storytelling fun telling function and also like uh, speaking truth to power sort of function. Yeah, exactly. So what isn't funny, what is never funny is coming, of, coming from a position of ignorance where you're talking about something that you don't know anything about and saying things that you believe are insightful but are in fact just complete bullshit from your own ass. Um, yeah. and, and you see this a lot with like transphobic jokes. Um, yeah. The, 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 the transphobic joke that you will hear more than any other is some variation of just because you're blank doesn't mean that you're actually blank. Um, so the classic version is the, uh, the helicopter, right? Just because you think you're an attack helicopter oh, doesn't mean you're an attack helicopter. And like, there's a wide range of variations of this joke, you know, people getting on stage. 
Oh, well, I've decided I'm a Tyrannosaurus Rex, or I've decided I'm a narwhal, or I've decided that I'm a exclamation point or whatever bullshit. Um, And it's not, it's not funny because it's not, it's not saying anything and it, and it's certainly not furthering the conversation. It's not presenting a new perspective or a new opinion. It's, it's really just shitting on people that you don't like. Um, and it, you know, if, if you want to make jokes about, you know, gender variance, you really, you need to understand the subject. Yeah. You need to understand, um, the challenges and the troubles. Um, you need to understand the politics. You need to understand, you know, what each side of the conversation is actually saying, what each side of the conversation is trying to accomplish. Um, wow, that's got and really, at the end da- of it, yeah, really heavy. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's, it's just at the end of it. Yeah. You can, you can write your joke and you can understand everything, but you also have to like, you got to look at your type five and be like, does this need to be said? And right? that's, yeah. that's, it's the awareness that ends up. We went for 25 minutes without introducing the show. So I'm going to do that now. Welcome to Everything is the Worst, the official Scudsworth.com podcast. I'm your host, Josh. I'm the man behind the website at Scudsworth.com. And we got just a, a two-hander. So the conversations are coming fast and furious because <laughs> uh, I am joined with by the ever- uh, just brilliant and insightful June. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah. Well, we I mean this was a really good conversation. We got all of the heavy politics out of the way first. Let's so. let's talk about fun video game stuff now. Yeah. Uh do you want to tell me about your week real quick? Uh my week was good. Um a new patch in Final Fantasy came out. <laughs> um I know. And I've also been playing this game on my Switch called The Messenger, which is super cool. Um, It is heavily inspired by the old, like, Shinobi and Ninja Gaiden games. Um, The controls are chef's kiss. Uh, The graphics, um, I would say that they heavily ape the aesthetic of games like Shovel Knight. Oh, I actually know this one. Uh, When you you said it, I I was thinking of... um... Uh, what's that puzzle game uh, that Oh, The Witness. Came? The Witness. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very different. Very different game. Very, very different. Um, yeah. So it's um, it's a throwback to, you know, old school side scrollers. Uh, basically, you play as a ninja who has to take a mystical scroll up to the top of a mountain to save humanity. It's it's literally um, Ninja Gaiden, yeah, like the original. But but it it absolutely also takes the piss. Speaking of like humor based on insight, it manages to be hilarious because it's very obvious that it's made by people who played the ever loving crap out of these old games and are oh, able and to just poke fun genuinely at it. loved it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like they're they're you know making fun of like the mentor shopkeep character and mm. they make fun of all the old game tropes. They're like, you know, this is this is your rope dart, but people are just going to call it the grappling hook. And then the ninja's like, what are you talking about? It's like, don't even worry about it. <laughs> um, stuff like that. So it's it's clever and it's fun. Uh, really, really um, well-designed game that I've been enjoying immensely. Um, What's the whimsy level? Oh, like off the charts. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, again, like it's, it's a serious game, right? So like the gameplay itself is very reminiscent of a lot of 
old school, you know, action platformers. Um, but the the cutscenes, the characters is just silly and fun. And roughly halfway through, I haven't beat it, so I don't know like at what point, but you get to a point where it goes from being slightly reminiscent of NES graphics to then looking closer to SNES graphics. Um, of course, with like, you know, modern things like multiple shades and background animations that of course were impossible back then. But, yeah. you know, still a very like um, 8-bit slash 16-bit art style. And so it's, it's really cool that the art style changes um, and it, yeah, it's, they, they just have like a lot of fun with it. So they've got like characters that look like something that, you know, might, might've been around in the 8-bit era, except it's more detailed and animated. And then something that looks like it might've been around in the 16-bit era, but again, is much more detailed and animated than anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. Cool. Uh, so, I mean, we are going to do a video game journalism podcast um, <laughs> today. I mean, you could probably tell because we uh, front-loaded it by talking about uh, politics. And <laughs> that always seems to happen in uh, video game podcasts. Um, but uh, no, as you, uh, I'm sure everyone listening is aware, this is a podcast on the internet where we talk about uh, weird or fun or cool or interesting articles that we found online. Um, because it is just, uh, uh, June and I today, we figured we would just, like, just do straight up video game topics. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and, uh, give the floor to June. Awesome. Uh, I'm actually just looking for your article real quick. Oh, yeah. Yes, okay, I remember. All so. right, so this, again, like, you know, uh, the politics are obviously really heavy. So this article was one of those just, like, heartwarming um, we're talking like soup for the soul kind of stuff. Um, basically the story is that, um, the, a woman named Kuniko, uh, Tsusaka, apologies for butchering the pronunciation, talked about how her mother always had a Game Boy so that she could play Tetris. So her mother loved playing Tetris and when she was 95, uh, her health started to suffer and her Game Boy stopped working. Uh, this was her third Game Boy, and uh, they weren't able to find another store that sold the Game Boy or any shop that was able to repair a Game Boy. Um, and then uh, Tsusaka's son, um, uh, the, the grandson of the woman in question, he suggested just calling Nintendo directly because he had heard that they had really, really excellent customer service. And lo and behold, um, somebody at Nintendo was able to track down uh, an original Game Boy in one of their warehouses and sent it to her. Um, and so, you know, this woman was able to, to play the Game Boy and apparently her mind remained sharp and active until she passed away when she was 99 years old. Um, and I don't know, this, this to me is just so beautiful. Uh, it's, it's everything that I love about video games it's it's got family it's got human connection it's got you know the advantages and the positive aspects of playing games that i think it's it's really easy to overlook in a world where sometimes sometimes people who play video games can be really shitty people and it's good to remember that a lot of people who play games are also freaking awesome yeah um can i uh so this article comes from uh, kotaku yeah uh who 
that's where we're reading it. Um, there's a, a bit in here, which I, th I think this is like the best part of the story. Okay. Um, when the grandson mentioned Nintendo's excellent customer service, he said, uh, Kame Tayu, rather, uh, which literally means God support or more, uh, like more interpretively, a uh, divine interaction. Yeah. With Kami meaning God or spirit or, you know, uh, deity. Um, he, uh, it's uh, used to describe incredible service or corporate responses. Uh, however, the old lady, uh, Susaka, uh, thought her son had said the word ka uh, Kame, uh, meaning paper, because they're, you know, uh, misunderstandings in Chinese, like, pronunciations and accents and stuff right. really change the meanings. So when she thought she heard paper, she wrote Nintendo a letter and sent the uh, broken Game Boy and uh, got, uh, got a uh, response. Nintendo didn't have the spare parts to fix the Game Boy, so instead sent along a new Game Boy discovered in its warehouse along with the with a letter uh, wishing the grandmother a long life, which is very sweet. I yeah. like also the fact that they, there was clearly somebody being like, Hey, didn't we find a crate with like a couple like old Game Boys still in their packing? Uh, go grab that thing. Let's, let's make this, let's make this thing happen. Yeah. I, um, I, yeah, I think you're probably right. Some warehouse people were like, Oh yeah, we found one of these and we're wondering what to do with it. So very, very cute. The mm -hmm. idea that she just wrote a letter instead of calling <laughs> Nintendo, which I think is just so sweet. Yeah, it's it's very heartwarming. It's very sad. Yes, I mean, well, it's it's bittersweet, right? Like cathartic. Yeah, yeah she she led a good life, um, and thanks in in large part to the efforts of people that could have just as easily said, "Nope, too bad." So. Yeah, and uh, when you sent this to me, I, I had mentioned that it does feel like um, uh, Sato Iwata. Um, yeah. He was uh, the uh, president of uh, Nintendo for a while, and he did a lot of the really cool things, like when um, uh, Nintendo, uh, they were starting to fail. They were running into a lot of problems after the Wii U didn't do nearly as good as they were hoping it to do. And rather than laying people off, uh, Iwata had cut his own salary and um, convinced a couple other board members to do the same so that they didn't have to fire anybody. And it's those sort of things that make me feel like he really influenced the soul of the company a little bit. You know? Totally, yeah. Um... Like, because let's let's be honest, it's still a corporation. Yeah. Nintendo is not Nintendo is not a, a benevolent. Um, uh, benevolent entity that just wants you to have fun and enjoy yourself. They are still a corporation that are beholden to stockholders and stuff. So, mm -hmm. seeing these really sweet things, uh, like really owns up to the name Nintendo, which I believe is roughly translated to uh, "Leave Luck to Heaven," um, which is you know it feels good. It's it, it feels symmetrical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that yeah it it. Corporations, by their nature, have to be cold and soulless, and yeah. um, it, it's it's a situation that only 
only degrades over time. So acts like this, just small little acts of compassion and kindness are really what helps to keep the system going, I think. I don't know. I might be talking nonsense, but... No, but we're also like... I mean, you and I have big squishy hearts for these sort of things, though. Like, as cynical and uh, worn down by the passage of time yeah. that I've become, like, I do like hearing these nice things so often. Well, okay, when I when I criticize corporations and politics and whatever, um, a lot of it is centered on the fact that the world is not a formula. The world is not, like, it's not... It's not a, you can think of it as a machine, but it's not, it's not a literal machine. Um, it's not, it's not rigid. It's, it's, it's relationships, it's interactions, it's, it's, it's history and understanding and knowledge, right? Like, just like you have a group of friends, um, you know, there isn't, there isn't a script, right? There isn't a, this is the correct way to talk to your friends. This is the correct way to sit down and enjoy an evening together. Like, no, you, you get to know these people. You get to know them as people you get to know what they like what they dislike you have shared history shared experiences things that you like things that you dislike things that you agree on things that you disagree on it's it's complex it's multi-layered and at the end of the day it's a recognition that this is another thinking feeling mind that you are sharing a connection with and that is how the whole world functions and corporations have a tendency to ignore that and therefore break that down to yeah. the point where you you don't necessarily forget, but you don't recognize the the thought and the feeling and the experience of the other. And moments like this are like, yes, this isn't just, you know, another day at the office and a job to be done. This is an old woman who loves her Game Boy. This is a woman with a daughter and a grandson and I don't know the rest of the family. Um, <laughs> but you know, this is, this is, you know, her experience, her life where like that game boy is what helps to keep her mind sharp and helps to keep her engaged and interacting with her family possibly. Yeah. Um, and you know, it makes me want to play Nintendo games. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's, that's all that they can really ask for as a company is like, Hey, we do a good thing. Uh, and then we get this really great publicity afterwards, right? And I mean, that's what they, I mean, that's, that's, that's the thinking from a corporate side of things. But I mean, there was one, there was one dude who got that letter. Yeah. I was like, Hey, I could think, I think I could make this, I think I could fix this. I think I could make this happen. Mm -hmm. And it, it cost Nintendo literally nothing. Yeah. I mean, what would they do with those Game Boys otherwise? They would put them on eBay and make a killing, or they would donate it to uh, the uh, Video Game uh, Archive Museum, right? Yeah. It's like, it literally did nothing to interrupt the corporate structure and gave them a crazy amount of good publicity. True. Um, now... Again, though, it like the reason it got that good publicity is again because it it you know it it strengthens those relationships, it it recognizes the humanity. Um, in contrast, and not something I want to spend a lot of time on, but it was a story that actually kind of turned my stomach a little bit was the fact that uh, recently Disney Plus, uh, where is it? Disney Plus 
moved the show, uh, what is it, Dear Simon or something? Um, they moved it from Disney Plus to Hulu because it wasn't, uh, here we go, yeah. Uh, Disney moves Love, Simon series to Hulu because it's not family friendly. So Love, Simon is a fairly typical high school drama where the main character is gay and doesn't want to be outed by their peers. Um, it does deal with the exploration of his sexuality. There is one single same-sex kiss. Uh, there is use of alcohol. And Disney said, oh, well, you know, the use of alcohol and mature subject matter means it's not appropriate for families. Meanwhile, a lot of stuff that is still on Disney Plus has much more overt sexuality between straight people and much more rampant use of alcohol. Uh, but somehow, mysteriously, this particular show gets called out by Disney. And, and this is the kind of soulless, formulaic, corporate bullshit that just absolutely turns my stomach and, yeah. and ticks me off. And it's not even that it's a big deal. In fact, it, it kind of stems from the fact that it's really not a big deal. Like, this is, this is a nothing issue that basically just says that people don't matter. Right. And it's, yeah, the decision was made outside of the consideration of what act, like, yeah, the fact that it was noticed is what the story is, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, Like, if Disney moved it, and nobody, nobody noticed it, not a big deal, they wouldn't have even had to justify, you know, why they moved it. But it's the fact that somebody noticed and it's like, hey, it seems kind of weird that you're moving the one gay uh, protagonist show yep. to Hulu that you also own. It's, it's all just kind of like, it's all kind of bad. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it's it goes, all bad. Yeah. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier where like, I'm going to use the word bigotry because fuck it, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, bigotry drives people apart. It can't not. It is, it is saying that, you know, these people don't matter. These people deserve to be picked on. These people are less important. And you're going to hear all kinds of like mealy mouth, double speak, trying to, to rationalize or say, oh, no, it's, it's not. It's not discrimination. It's, it's some, some other thing that's good. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's no, no. You are, you are saying that this group is less valued and it's not okay. Nintendo says that this this woman, this kindly old woman, she matters, she is important, you know, we care about her well-being specifically. And what you said about Nintendo, you know, it's a heartwarming story that makes lots of money. Well, keep in mind, this is something that happened, you know, at least five years ago. Um, Mm. So at the time that they did it, they didn't make a big deal out of it. Like people would not have heard about it if this daughter had not talked about it in an interview. So this, yes, it did a lot of really good things for Nintendo with the publicity, but it wasn't a publicity stunt. And it may have gone completely unnoticed, except for this interview that she did. So Yeah. And that's the difference between good publicity and a publicity stunt. Yes, exactly. It's just like, you did this thing without drawing attention to it, and then it gets out otherwise. That leads to good publicity. Yeah. Doing something and being like, look how fucking altruistic we are. And that just makes people being like, all right, good job, I guess. Yeah. But like... They did the, the right thing. They, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because the it was the right thing. The fact that you're thing. trying yeah. to tell us about it makes it like a problem. Like, to, to bring in a bit of Christian philosophy, and I'm sorry, you know, um, <laughs> but that's, that's one of the things that, that Christian 
philosophy talks about is that like, you know, people who say, for example, fast was, was a big practice back in, in Bible times. Fasting, you know, was a thing that you did. And people who fast and they make a big show of it and they're like, oh, I'm so hungry. and Oh, I'm sacrificing for, you know, my religion and my faith. And, and you know, Christian teaching says that their reward is in that immediate recognition. Whereas the people who fast don't bring attention to it and don't make a big deal out of it, those are the people who really understand whatever it is that fasting is trying to accomplish. Right. I mean, and in uh, less... In, in a slightly more secular uh, <laughs> example, I mean, they talk about this stuff uh, in The Good Place, like pretty, pretty much constantly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all about philosophy and the idea of doing something for the recognition, uh, doing something for the moral dessert, doing something because you're expecting to get something out of it. Yeah. That sours, uh, that like sours the whole purpose of doing it. Right, yeah. doing a kind act because it's something that you wanted to do in that moment—that is good and fine, and that is the Nintendo thing. Whoever answered that letter at that time, you know, took it on their own to go find a good replacement, sent it off, wished them, you know, happy life, long health, whatever. Um, the and not, you know, not writing up to. Uh, in gadget or i don't even know what fucking tech blocks are still out there but not like immediately sending off a, a leak being like hey nintendo did this awesome thing sent from my nintendo work cubicle like, totally and it's about relationship versus formula the yeah. you know you do the right thing because it gets attention that's formula you do the right thing because you care about the person that you are helping that's relationship uh, speaking of relationships, <laughs> brilliant segue, pretty, by the way. Yeah, that was good. That was yeah. good. I, I thought it was top, good. top tier. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, June, you played Doom, right? Uh, you're, you're not actually allowed to call yourself a video gamer if you haven't. If, if you're listening to this and you, you call yourself a video gamer, you don't have to play a lot. Like, five minutes, you're good. But you, you have to have played Doom. It's it's literally in the rules. Anyways, continue. Well, I'm not a gamer. I prefer a gameist or game connoisseur. <laughs> um, fair enough. Fair enough. You do you. Anyways, continue. Uh, I was more of a Quake guy. That's all. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, did you play uh, Doom uh, the... The last Doom that came out? Yes, yeah. The I think they call it Doom 2016 is how it's being referred yeah. to. Yes, yes, I did. Uh, very good. Um, quite enjoyed. Didn't pass it, but played it a lot. <laughs> so uh, Doom Eternal is coming out. Are I'm looking forward to that, that too. Uh, do, like, time permitting, the, the problem is that, like, I buy the games, and then I have, like, maybe three or four hours to actually play them. So we'll see. Well, you, you, you collect it all and then you're going to play all these games when you retire. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Like my yeah. dad and his DVDs that he's never going to watch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, this is just making, this is, I feel the eyes of my Steam, uh, Steam game list just watching me. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, what about Animal Crossing? Did you play that one? Yes, I did. Yeah. Animal Crossing is another game that you have to have played if you want to call yourself a video gamer. No excuses. That <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I 100% agree. <laughs> like Doom runs on everything. There's literally no excuse to not at least have tried it. 
Um, I mean, like, I'm obviously kidding, but also, like, yeah, it is It is an absolutely seminal series. Um, oh, yeah, it's a must-play. Yeah, and same thing like Animal Crossing in a very different vein, mind you, but obviously, like, less people have played Animal Crossing than Doom, but Animal Crossing is one of those games that has influenced a lot of other games. So even if you haven't played Animal Crossing, you've probably played something that was influenced by it. Yeah, something that... Uh, gronked at their ideas um and uh june are you a uh a meme connoisseur are you a memesman are you not, a meme not even Lord? a little bit no, no i don't i i it 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 was only very recently that i learned that meme is the correct pronunciation um what did you use to call it well like there's meme or there's uh yeah i don't know <laughs> I actually, I've actually always called it meme, but I, I was not sure if that was the correct pronunciation or not. So right. I just kind of guessed and happened to guess on the side that everyone correct else side. came down on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So there is currently a meme uh, mm. where uh, Animal Crossing's Isabel, who is probably one of the best characters uh, ever conceived of, mm. um, and uh, the Doom guy or Doom Slayer, uh, becoming best friends due to the fact that uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons and Doom Eternal are being released on the same day, March 20th, 2020. Um, so Isabel is more or less the mascot of Animal Crossing. Uh, now it used to be like Tom Nook or K.K. Slider was like the, the mascot, but with, um, oh, what was the DS one called? Uh, New Leaf. Yeah, I only, uh, I only played the first, the very first one. But anyways. Yeah, so Isabel was introduced in New Leaf because, uh, like, the same thing that happens in, like, the original game where you show up to a town, Tom Nook sells you a house that yep. you can't afford, and, like, the game goes from there. Mm. It's the same thing, except uh, you get to the new town, and everybody assumes that you're new uh, because you're new, that you're the mayor, so you end up being the mayor of the town. Uh, and Isabel uh, is the assistant to the mayor, and she literally does all the work, and, like, she's sweet and bubbly and fun, and she's got a little bit of an edge to her, which is always nice. Uh, she's kind of like um, Leslie Nope from uh, Parks and Rec, uh... Uh, where she's like, no, I'm fine. I, I got a whole 40 minutes of sleep, so I'm good to go for the day. <laughs> uh, that sort of character. Um, but otherwise, just like sweet and adorable. Um, so the memes happened. <laughs> um, uh, the meme, I think the first real memes uh, that I saw was like, um, a cute, cute, bouncy, bubbly person, very much like in the style of your Isabel character. Yeah. Uh, you know, happy, uh, bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls type vibe, yep. going to the games shop and being like, well, copy of Doom Eternal, please. Um, <laughs> and then opposite to that, like, grungy, fighting, angry boy, emo, like, spiky jacket, all black, like angry angry manly men walking in and being like one animal crossing new horizons please <laughs> and like that was that was the first version of the meme uh but i guess it convalesced into the idea that 
Isabel and Doom Guy are best friends, and the fan art is just goddamn wonderful. Um, yeah, I'm looking you, at uh, some of this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do love the one with Isabel sitting on Doom Slayer's shoulder, and it's got the uh, Animal Crossing word bubble come up with Isabel's name, and it just says "Rip and Tear until it's done," uh, <laughs> which is a slogan from Doom. Um, yeah. Uh, I really do love this one where uh, Isabel is passed out on a bar table with a bottle of uh, whiskey and the Doomslayer is putting a blanket over her so she can sleep. Super adorable. I love it. Um, yeah, it's it's great. I do like the... Uh, there's a display. It looks like it's at a GameStop or an EB or something uh, that has uh, the figurines... Uh, Doomslayer uh, is next to a little Isabella figure, and they've got like little word balloons above them that says Doomslayer says pre-order my BFF Isabel's new uh, game Animal Crossing New Horizons, and then Isabel also has a little word bubble saying uh, no pre-order my buddy Doomslayer's new game Doom Eternal. So I just I love it because. Um, <laughs> It's like the best uh, relationship pairing. Like, you get a really big, huge, muscle, strong man, but he's, like, super sweet. And then you've got, like, tiny, angry monster woman, and they're, like, in love and husband and wife and stuff, like in, uh, um, uh, shit, uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, yes, The teacher yeah. and the, her, her husband, who's that huge dude. Like, I love that, that whole pair. Like, it, gi giant boy, tiny girl. It is, no, it is, it is beautiful because they are, like, diametrically opposed thematically, and yet they both have such a unique weirdness that it, it fits in a way that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, you know, like, especially if you're really into canon and lore, which I am, uh, and the Doomslayer, according to some lore interpretations, is actually uh, a bit of a dimension hopper. Well, I mean, we know that he hops between, like, you know, the human dimension and the demon dimension, but it's been suggested that he actually hops through a wide range of dimensions, and so it's not impossible to conceive that at some point he helped stave off a demon invasion from Animal Crossing land. Which, uh, here's a little bit of uh, deep lore for you as well. Yeah. It's recently come to light that uh, Isabel's favorite beverage is whiskey, uh, so what if he did save uh, the Animal Crossing universe from a demon invention, met Isabel, and imparted a love of uh, hard liquor onto her? That That is a beautiful story, and <laughs> I I want to read this fanfic now. I might actually right. write this fanfic. Um... <laughs> Go for it. You should get really deep into the Animal Crossing lore. All right. Well, I'll have to pick up the new Animal Crossing and the new Doom Eternal um, and just tell Carolyn that, you know, sorry, uh, I, my, my evenings are now full. I'm sure she'll understand. Well, yeah. Animal Crossing has a full four player multiplayer. Oh yeah. Um, I was going to so suck her into this anyways. You're right. Can, yeah. yeah. You can definitely play that with her anyways. And then when it's, uh, Carolyn's bedtime, then you can play Doom Eternal. Brilliant. I love it. Okay. Let's, yeah. this is the plan. Well, let's, let's, I mean, Camilla's, Camilla is buying 
uh, the game, and she's like, I wonder if I could just take a month off so I could just play Animal Crossing every day. And I'm like, it, if if you can do it, because go for it. <laughs> is it going to be... Okay, so Nintendo has really, really terrible online functionality. Is it going to be possible for like us to play together, or...? That I don't know. I watched the direct, and I don't remember seeing anything about uh, about like online multiplayer. It looks like it's just couch co-op. Nintendo, I mean, understandably to an extent, because they are very child-focused, but Nintendo is really, really not supportive of making it easy for friends to play games together online. Like, to an extent that... You know, I remember in the earliest days of, of internet on video game consoles, like I think the Xbox 360, well, I mean, technically the Dreamcast, but in practice, the Xbox 360, not the Xbox 360, the Xbox, the original Xbox, was the first console I owned that had, like, reasonable online functionality. And even that was pretty hit and miss. Um, and Nintendo does not meet that level. <laughs> Well, I mean, they got, they feel like they got burned from the online stuff because um, of the Famicom thing. And like the GameCube was supposed to have it. Fuck, I think even the N64 was supposed to have some sort of online functionality. Mm. Um, but it's like they got burned really hard because North America just wasn't buying what Nintendo was selling at that time. I mean, to an extent, a lot of online integration came down to like personal infrastructure, right? Like I didn't really yeah. do a lot of online stuff until my internet got to a point that it could handle it. Like I remember oh, trying sure. to play like uh, um, EverQuest, if anybody remembers EverQuest. <laughs> uh, and it was an exercise in frustration. Like that was back in the days where like if mom tries to make a phone call, I get disconnected kind of thing. Um, oh yeah, no. Uh, I it, I was playing Halo on like rural dial-up lines. It wasn't great. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. We, you and I grew up in an era where internet was still becoming a thing. Yeah. Um, and Nintendo. Yeah, I think I think they might have tried to get in a bit early. Like I said, like the Dreamcast ostensibly had online functionality, and I I never I saw it in practice. Um, I remember, oh, the Sega Genesis had that, like, Sega cable or whatever, which was, um, a bit like a, a Games Pass thing where you could play video games over cable, but... That was, <laughs> was a Genesis? Impressive. Wasn't that the Dreamcast? I thought... No, it was Genesis. Genesis. Uh, oh, Genesis. a buddy of mine, um, his dad worked for Shaw way back in the day, and so he got this service for much cheaper than most people would have, um, and it was... It was, I mean, it was essentially like if you're, if you're familiar with, um, you know, PlayStation Now or Xbox Games Pass, um, but it was on a Genesis. So. That is wild. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to look that up. That's crazy. Yeah. And I guess the point I'm driving to is that Nintendo isn't even, uh, they're kind of there with their Nintendo, um, what do they call it? Uh, if you pay for the online, you get access oh, yeah, to like yeah, yeah. a bunch of Nintendo and Super Nintendo games. But like, even... it's fine. By the way, I'm trying it. It's okay. Yeah, it's, it's not. Uh... It's not blowing my mind or anything. Well, okay. Like, 
the thing is, it uh, it feels like a step back from the Nintendo eShop, which is is like, wait, really? Um, you know, Nintendo is in a position where they could just make all of their games available all of the time, and like people would pay for that shit. So. I don't know. I mean, it's not even a question of paying for it. They could literally just put them all up, like everything yep. from like N64 and earlier could go up on there and they wouldn't have to charge for it. And they would sell crazy amounts of switches because it's just like, oh, yeah. All right. It's all, it's you just plug in the internet and yep. it's all available for you on the Switch. That way, people would buy a ton of, of that. And then when they want, you know, to, be playing the new stuff, then they'll pay more money anyways, right? It's Yeah, and... There's, there's literally no harm in them doing it. And the thing that I, like, really irks me is that, you know, I bought games on the Wii that I then bought on the Wii U, you know, that I had also bought on the GameCube, like Final Fantasy VI is a prime example, but, you know... Uh, and then they don't carry over to the next generation, which... When you're talking like physical media, sure, that makes a degree of sense. Like they're they're incompatible. But for digital media, like why can't it just carry over to the new hardware? To me, that is all the more reason to buy the new hardware because I know that my entire library is coming with me and now I'm on the nicest, newest hardware and I can play the nicest, newest games and I still have all my old games that I can go back and play whenever I want. Like, you know. It, yeah, it, that reminds me. I have to up the uh, the stowage capacity on my 3DS before the uh, 3DS eShop's gone. Oh. Um, when when yeah, is that going? Go. When is that leaving? Uh, not sure. Uh, I think the I think it's still a soft date of like 2021, but I'll Man. have to investigate that too. Yeah, and that's that's ridiculous too. Like the the 3DS eShop, I was looking around in there recently. It's got some fucking cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and like, why the hell not? Why can't they make that stuff available? I don't know. And I mean, why? Honestly, just should be. Yeah. Like, and like, why is it that you know I can't buy a game on my 3DS and then play it on my Switch? I obviously like the two screens is an issue, grant you, but like, still. Uh, I, don't, I don't even. I don't even see it as being an issue. It's just like, it's just gonna. It's gonna like take somebody to be a little bit clever about the on-screen UI and right yeah if you want a good example of clever like screen management just watch the uh the uh Griffin McElroy Nuzlocke uh that he did on Polygon it was very good he made the screen look great he had all the elements of the UI on the screen at all times and it 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 didn't look as cluttered as you would think it would be. So, like, mm -hmm. there's options. People just yeah. have to figure it out. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, like, honestly, I think the point here is the issue is less practicality and more, well, I mean, corporation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it's somebody, you know, punching the numbers into a formula and deciding, okay, what is going to make the most business sense, which... Which Inevitably. the answer is always sell it again. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, like the way Nintendo's doing it now, where they can just add and remove stuff to the service as they see fit. And when they add stuff to the service, they get that like boost in attention, right? So if they just dumped it all on there, 
then like, yeah, you know, people who love their games would love it, but a lot of people would just ignore it and they wouldn't make as much money, apparently. Who knows? Should we wrap up? Let us wrap up. I think up. it's about that time. Yes. Uh, June, what should people check out this week? Uh, do highly recommend The Messenger, um, as I've already done so. Uh, what else? Oh, I've been watching this YouTube channel that I think is really freaking cool. Uh, what is it called? Um, let me bring up my library. Uh, it is called Thor High Heels is the name of the channel. Uh, and he just talks about video games and he has this really cool way of presenting like he talks in, uh, like the way that he talks is just really cool. He, it's hard to explain, but he, you know, uses different voices and he makes references to different memes and it's just, it's like really, really top tier presentation. Um, and he talks about a lot of really cool and varied games. And yeah, I'm really enjoying the channel. That's cool. Uh, Thor High Heels? Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I first got watching him when I was watching him talk about Final Fantasy 15. And then I watched him talk about all the other Final Fantasies and then a bunch of other games. And he has this series on like obscure Japanese only PS1 games, which is super cool and yeah <laughs> that is cool uh i will just say i mean uh have we recommended people check out h bomber guy recently <laughs> uh i love h bomber guy he does like one video every two months from the looks of it these days uh That's when awesome, was his last man. video yeah i know his last like video was the one that you told me to watch the um pathogen yes yeah which was a great freaking video and yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. Like, I get it. It takes a while to make these things. It's not even necessarily a criticism. It's just that, like, okay, go, you know, same thing with, like, ContraPoints, who is freaking awesome. But again, like, a once a month, maybe. Um, yeah. It's almost like they have uh, uh, jobs outside of the uh, YouTube job, which, I mean, diversifying is great, but also I need my content. Right? Uh, Patrick H. Willems, if you haven't checked him out, is really, really, really good. Patrick H. Williams? Willems. Uh, yeah, did you ever see the, um, uh, the sketch uh, X-Men as done by... Um, oh, what's the director? Uh, the director of, like... Um, Wes Anderson. X-Men if it was directed oh, okay. by Wes Anderson. Yeah. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the guy who did that is, is named Patrick H. Willems. He does all kinds of videos about, like, movies are kind of his passion and movie making, and he's, he's really great. Uh, I'd recommend uh, Philosophy Tube. Because yes! We talked, about, uh, we talked about some philosophy stuff earlier. Uh, I only recently got into his stuff... He is a very smart uh, young man, and he's very good looking, and he makes me cry a lot when I watch some of his uh, his more real videos. So. Oh, did you did you watch Rocket Man? Oh, the Cosmonaut. The Cosmonaut. That's the one. Yes. Yes, oh. that one. Oh. That one uh, was rough. That was uh, that was definitely a cry while watching. Um, the uh, one that he recently did, the Data uh that one basically yeah yeah it was a exploration of um you know your rights when everything is 
like everything is controlled by numbers and data and people collecting your data without your permission and you explicitly giving your permission just by the actions you take every day. Yeah. Like it's very good. It was an incredibly good watch, very well uh, scripted and filmed and edited. Really good. A hundred percent. If you like uh, uh, trippy, like experimental films, uh, yeah. philosophy tube, watch the uh, one called data. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're all excellent. Um, oh, they, I, yeah. he did one uh, about video games, which was cool. He did one on queer theory where mm -hmm. he, at three different points throughout the video breaks out into covers of some very cool songs. And these are like phenomenal musical covers, like, like scary good. Uh, so anyways, yeah. Okay, that's enough gushing about philosophy tube. I think I think we've we, I think we've suggested enough YouTube uh, personalities now. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So if you want to find us, we are on the internet. Uh, June is on Twitter at Gemini underscore trans, but not actually. But not really. I'm uh, <laughs> on Twitter at uh, Tescud. That's T H S U D. We've got a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Tiscud. Uh, we have a coffee now. Uh, it's a ko-fi.com slash Scudsworth. Uh, links to all these things are on scudsworth.com. Um, if you have cash, you know, if you can donate like monthly, that's Patreon. If you can only like spare five bucks, that's coffee. Uh, either way, it's super appreciated. Uh, if you don't have money to get to spare, like just recommend our show to your friends, uh, share it on social media. Word of mouth is super important. Give us a rating of review, all that good podcast stuff. Um, I think we did it. Th I think we did a, a video game podcast. What do you think? I, I think that was a video game and politics and all sorts of random stuff, which yes, that was a video game podcast. Definitely. That was a video game podcast. Come on. We, you've listened to video game podcasts. You know that it's very little video games and mostly just, you know, the bug up your ass for most of it. Yeah. We, we did talk about video games. So if you listen, thanks for listening. If you didn't listen, thanks for nothing. Allow us to play you out. Josh and Kamala, and we want to invite you to listen to our podcast, What We're Into. <laughs> uh, it's a date night podcast uh, where two 30-year-olds uh, talk about things they like because we have, like, no free time, so, like, we don't really get to talk to each other or anything, so uh, we take the time to sit down and... Uh, talk about the fun things that we like to watch and listen to and read. Uh, so you can check out our podcast every Tuesday, and maybe you'll hear us talk about things like Pokemon and Stardew Valley, or Star Trek, or any other anime or manga series, and just a bunch of nerd shit, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so go to scudsworth.com. You can find it there, or find us on. Uh, 
iTunes and other. Yeah, it's not your first day on the internet. Just go, just type in what we're into. Scud's, you'll find it. I, I believe in you. I believe in you too. We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>